Hello and welcome to North 100, a Canadian Highlander podcast. I'm Serge. Joining me, I have a Jer. Hello. An Alex. Neat Peng and Newam. And a Ben. Honk. A reminder, the North 100 is brought to you by you with your support of the Patreon over at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Let's start it off with the same way we open every episode, with the best card that you're not playing. Up to date, I have Jer. Jer, tell me your secrets. Uh, usually mythics aren't very secret, but I haven't seen many people <laughs> playing this one. Do- Dovin Bon, a planeswalker for two white blue, comes in with three loyalty, uh, has a plus one until your next turn up to one target creature gets minus three minus zero and its activated abilities can't be activated noticeably it does disable mana abilities hmm. uh, minus one you gain two life and draw a card and minus seven you get an emblem with your opponents can't untap more than two permanents during their untap steps so it's like a one-sided static orb where are you playing this uh i'm playing it in control hmm uh the plus one is really good at forcing your opponents to overextend into your wrath effects. Uh, the minus one is really, really great at stabilizing you, especially against red decks and decks that are trying to finish you off with burn spells. Uh, like once you've cleared their last few things, you have counters up, and you just need to make sure you don't die to like burn spell, burn spell off the hmm. top. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't actually recommend embleming it this very Ever. often. <laughs> really? Uh, I'm 0-1 in games where I have emblemed this card. That's a lot of sample data. I mean... Uh, huh. But I think you should probably just minus a bunch. It's probably more likely to win you the game. If you ever get up there. Interesting. But, now, 3-mana Dovin's pretty real, but nobody likes 4-mana Dovin, eh? Uh, I, I think the 3-mana one's a lot more situational, where it, it, they just go in different decks, really. Okay. Like, this one just seems really good yeah I, I think it's i think it's a little underrated i it i think it compares very reasonably to jace architect of thought mm. which has also been seeing less play recently but i actually like this one better than jace architect of thought uh for blue eye control specifically mm. all right well let's move into today's theme today we begin part one of x of our Throne of Eldraine set review. So a reminder about our set reviews, they are Highlander focused, they are not exhaustive. So we do not go over every card, mostly the cards that we think are either going to have an impact on the format or that we think you at home are going to want us to talk about. Uh, And again, reminder from that, if you have any questions, if you think we missed a card, let us know down in the comments and we'll try and get it on the next episode. Now let's talk about not a specific card, but a series of cards. Let's talk about Knights. Let's kind of group them all together. Um, Throne of Eldraine has added a lot of knights to the set. Uh, too many to go over them individually. A lot of them have synergy bonuses. Uh, I'll ask the question to the room. Are knights viable as a tribe in Highlander? I think if you're... I'm sorry, I used the viable word. Good. <laughs> play a, like Obviously, there's enough cards. Is there enough cards to make a deck? Yes. You can make a knight deck, bring it to your local event not have an embarrassing performance with the deck. <laughs> I feel as though... Solid 2-2, two, two, maybe 3-1 sort of deck? I not don't... Not even 2-2, two, two, eh? No. <laughs> it's like... Vampires is a deck we've talked about before. Yeah. It's been kind of a fan favorite that may or may not have a couple of local victories in Victoria tournaments. We just don't have that information saved. We may have that information <laughs> saved, but please don't go looking for it. And I think Knights just offers the same, ex- a very similar experience and color spread, but with more flexibility and higher card quality. Hmm. 
So white. Yep. Da, da, da. Uh, a Mardu. What do you? What are your white? White what? black with maybe a little sprinkle. Mardu. Yeah, Mardu is like what Eldraine really pushed. But if you look over before Eldraine was even started showing cards in the preview season, I was like, okay, well, maybe we'll look at you know what knights are playable. Before Eldraine, you could get up to like forty-four knight creatures hmm. that. Well, not 44 knights. You'd have mana dorks in there sure. to accelerate your knights. But like, you could get up to 44 creatures and be like, this is reasonable. Hmm. Like, Your card quality isn't super low. You are playing some knights, white knights, <laughs> protection knights, but like, lot they're of, not bad. A lot of color protection in this tribe. Yeah. A lot of first strike. I think it a I lot mean, of first strike. I think it pairs up well in the creature matchup, but is it fast enough to beat sort of the like the giants of the format, right? Probably not. But that's I mean, that's a recurring uh weakness to tribal decks in general. Mm -hmm. Is that like goblins can beat everything because it vroom zooms. Um Merfolk has had some time in the sunshine because of huh, blue. And then where's the rest? How many hate cards? are incidentally knights. Notably, Thalia is not a knight. I'm mm. sorry, what? Yeah, can we bring up uh, Thalia, please? Thalia's a zombie. Right? I know she <laughs> isn't. Well, I'm getting eaten by the Gitrog <laughs> monster. <laughs> yeah, human soldier. Yeah, not, not, notably not a knight. I mean, I'm sure Thalia could be an honorary knight. You probably play her in the knight deck. That's I gotta imagine if you're building knights, you're building it about like, you will struggle to kill my creatures and my creatures will get bigger or they'll find more creatures. Yeah. Instead of preventing your opponent from playing spells, mm. your opponent's spells are just worse because your cards all have protection from this or lifelink or first strike or whatnot. Or they all have indestructible. Yeah, that's mm. pretty good. So in conclusion, um, give it a try. I mean, there's there's a, a enough now to really make it worth it. And obviously, if you're excited about Throne of Eldraine and you're like, now is my time to shine as a knight, you know, polish your suit of armor and get down to your LGS and, and rumble. Our data says maybe. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the first card we're going to talk about today, the Archon of Absolution. Archon of Absolution is a four mana, three, two Archon has flying, protection from white, and creatures can't attack you or a planeswalker you control unless their controller pays one for each of those creatures. So the propaganda effect. Woof. Jer. Uh, I don't think this is gonna be an all-star or anything, but I just wanted to touch on it as it's got a lot of really relevant text. And if there are a bunch of white creature decks in your in your meta and you're playing a prison-y type or even a mid-range you're controlling, likely non-blue controlling type strategy with white. Uh, this is a reasonable reasonable addition that can be tricky for those decks to deal with. Yeah, like this card beats the knight's deck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it does. All right, next up, Charming Prince, uh, AKA Wheeler. Right. Two mana, two, two human noble for one and a white. When it enters the battlefield, you may scry two or gain three life or Exile another target creature you own, return to the battlefield under your control step at the beginning of the next end step. Jer, what do you think? Uh, this is a Bant Blink card if I've ever seen one. Oh! Um, yeah, what Alex said. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it does everything. It's very blinkable. It blinks things. It has the nice uh, Flicker Wisp text uh, that returns it to the ET returns at end step, so you can, 
if you have a way to flash this in, you can save a save a thing from a wrath, or you can flicker your flicker wisp to flicker one of their things out for their whole turn. Can I just say scry is a weird mechanic to have on a white card? Yeah, yeah, it no is kidding. a little weird, but very nice. Uh, often in the late game, when you draw a two drop, or you draw a blink spell, you're like, oh crap. <laughs> you just want to draw relevant spells, so having you're the ability to filter and. Does this card do enough to go into any other deck? Obviously, in the ETB Blink style deck where you're recurring that ability, it's fine. But a two mana two two. Do any of the low to the ground aggressive white decks want this because of the flexibility it offers? Like, it's a human. I could try this guy. I don't know if I'm gonna be like super stoked on it. If you're really hurting for things to play, and once again, there's a bunch of aggressive stuff in your meta. Having this. Yeah, as, like, a, as a card that's good against the red decks mm. and reasonable in other other spots isn't like it's it's nobody's ever gonna like be like oh my god you put this in your deck just because it has so much flexibility and it's a reasonable rate yeah, but there th are, there are often things I that, think if yeah as Jerry says if there's like red decks or aggressive decks or like maybe if your human deck has a lot of Andrew's play effects that you want to run back like this seems pretty good with um what's the the green white creature that uh, brings stuff back from your yard. Renegade Rally. Valley is the tenant. <clears throat> oh, it triggers itself, too. Do you do you like this in, I'm, I'm throw this out hypothetically, D&T to try and get more value off of your stone forges or anything like that? I don't think you need it. No. I, okay. Like, I, I think D&T already has like, <clears throat> a very good creature matchup, generally. That's, that's why you're playing the deck. It also doesn't have a hate mode, so. Death and Taxes is like so filled to the brim with the top tier cards of all time that like you'll receive these two drops and three drops that are going to be like 8.5s out of 10 <laughs> or if you had some really weird scale like an 8.8 .8, and then the two drop slot there's like a bouncer over there that's like mm, sorry 9.1s are higher yeah, only it's, it, you know the deck's just like oh, no I can't you must be I, you must I, be at least possibly. this yeah. good to yeah, get on the ride yeah. this this card isn't quite brightling okay like, oof all right, let's move on to Giant Killer. One mana, one, two, human peasant <laughs> with an activated ability, one and a white, tap, tap, target creature. But it also has an adventure mode, three mana instant for two and a white, destroy target creature with power four or greater. Wheeler, what do you think? So I'm going to get this out early. I may overvalue a lot of adventure cards, <laughs> okay. or at least maybe maybe overvalue is just assuming that I'm going to be wrong. But I, adventure is a ridiculously powerful ability. Yep, it's incredibly flexible, and when you have both sides of the coin being relevant uh, to our format as well as easy to cast or like to a, you know find use for it, uh, it's probably going to get talked about. And I have a personal affection towards tappers. So the one mana tapper specifically, Gideon's Lawkeeper, and um, oh, what's it? Gold Meadow Harrier? Is it Harrier? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I, I know that. Nice. I nice. just call it the Kithkin. All right. Um, and they're just one mana, the one one Kith creatures <laughs> that tap other creatures for sure. one mana, which can again invalidate these massive mid range creatures your opponent may play. Uh, big dumb dragons, like, whatever it may be. Martledge can't get past this. Yeah, <laughs> just putting that out there. Ah, the peasant is stopping my my twenty. And I've, I've really enjoyed the, those cards have fallen off as um, white weenie kind of a builds have started to become a minority when how you approach your Isamaru into Thalia into whatever curve, 
but I have found they they still find some success. And personally, I found some success with like a blisteringly fast version of this deck that does play the tappers okay. and having that flexibility to be you know late game if you're a deck with 25 lands maybe and you find yourself uh like okay i've hit three lands that's a lot mm-hmm. oh i drew this card well i guess i'm going to kill the thing for the max value and then play a little dude out later mm. that seems pretty good to me little dude also it's a peasant I'm just worried about the the tap ability costing two and that being pretty prohibitive. Yeah, the two mana can be a bit when you're like if you're looking at early game for sure. But I think having the two toughness means that you can at least negate some creatures coming in, being like the goblin pikers, savannah lions, or weird little chip damage. And then getting the most out of this ability is when the creatures are bigger. So you're not trading up. Uh, as much from like a one mana activation on a three mana creature, but it's still enough that I think you can justify including this card. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Glass Casket, two mana artifact for one and a white. When it enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls with CMZ three or less until Glass Casket leaves the battlefield. Hey, wait a minute! This is just Journey to Nowhere. Now no. it's it's interesting. <laughs> There, there's some differences. There's some differences. Journey to Nowhere, of course, has no restriction. It just says exile a creature. This has a restriction of three or less. You're absolutely right. Uh, it's silk wrap. This <laughs> is an artifact versus uh, an enchantment. And I included this card. And the reason I included it is specifically because it is an artifact. I think there's some interesting lines in sort of your War of Invention decks where suddenly you have a tutorable removal spell uh, where, let's say, there's a collector oof in play. Uh, there's something in play that's shutting down a large part of your deck and you need an answer to go find it this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting stone silence well, from from Jaron Wheeler here. Definitely, I, I haven't blown your mind with this line. I definitely saw this card, and that was the first thing that came to mind. As that I'll was a big it. it was a big talking point about this card. Maybe seeing like niche play in the Wurza decks Wurza. in modern, <laughs> because it deals with collector roof, right? Um, and it's tutorable, but. Like the overall power level of the artifact decks and even the like utility ones is just so much higher than including a card like this that I think the narrowness of it might cause it to just sit on the sidelines. Mm. Yeah, and like those decks often have access to so much mana that like you could play like Spine of Ishtar instead of this and, and most, of the, most of the time you just like laugh and you're like, oh sure, of course the seven mana card is better than the two mana card. But in those decks, like the mana is like almost arbitrary. Like you're gonna have it, especially if they're spending their their turn two playing hate cards. It's like yeah. the way that I've approached dealing with collector oof is either don't even play the decks, or <laughs> you just you just pivot to killing them with like attacking with Golos, making a bunch of tokens <laughs> off Sahili. Uh, alting Tezzeret. I have alted Tezzeret oh, the Seeker yeah. more times in the past, like, six o- months. Old school magic. It's like we're, we're back ten years ago. It's hilarious. You'll yeah. just play it down. You're like, all right, attack me. And they're like, I can. And you're like, okay, well, then I'll attack you. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I guess, all right. I, I thought Glass Casket might have been this silver bullet that we were sleeping it on. It could pop in. Like, it's not, it's, it's. Like you're not Our going format's to too not powerful. run. I get it. I get it. Oh my <laughs> god, sir! It's not a right. bad thing to have. Uh, next up, we have a Hushbringer, two mana, one two for one and a white. It's a fairy. 
has flying and lifelink and creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't call act, don't cause abilities to trigger. Alex wants to jump in on this one. No, I'm just okay. being cheeky. Uh, ben. This art makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> this ability makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah. I just realized this that all the red dots, uh, like a hula hoop, are also smooth, little, little mouths. Yeah. Oh, heck! No, no, I thought those I were just it. red dots at so, first, but now that it's larger. I hate it. I don't think this card actually does enough. Oh, good. It does a lot. Like, the that line of text of Hushwing Griffin and R.I.P., like, Protean Hulks and whatnot, that is a lot. I think it's, it's often it's often going to be the case where it either like is winning you the game by itself or doing stone nothing. Right, which goes back to our discussion with DNT being like, hey, oh, I got a little hushbringer flying around. Uh, being hey, <laughs> you talking shit? You are only an eight, like an eighty-seven out of a hundred. Sure. We really need you to be a bit more because like this body is miserable. Like it's just a, it's a if it was stupid. A it's basically holy Hover cow. Man. Sign me up. Yeah. If but this had two power hole. Yeah, that's a race. If it was right a two there. one. Yeah. yeah. Well, then, I'm happy that then people. It's, then it's a ninety seven. Yeah. People won't play this considering how much I like Aristocrats. Do I have a thing for you? People will most assuredly play this, don't, and we're don't, going don't, to lose don't. to it, and then they're going to lose the rest of their matches when they draw this card in yeah, matches the, where it's not relevant and it doesn't have enough. Uh, pressure. The amount of times I've lost online to like people just slamming turn two torpor orb when I'm playing blink and I'm like, but why? Mm. <laughs> and now it's just going to be this instead. All right. All right. Let's move on to another creature that might have some niche application here. Linden, the steadfast queen. My queen. Three mana, three three for white, white, white. A legendary human noble has vigilante, and whenever a white creature you control attacks. Gain a life. Alex, what do you think about this card? You've played Soul Sisters and life gain style decks. Seems like a shoe in for that deck. I mean, it's a reasonable body. It's got a keyword. Um, you're pretty heavy on white in that deck. Uh, and it does what the deck wants to. And not notably, you get a life, an instance of life gain per creature that attacks. So if you attack with five yeah, creatures, it, that's a big you get Johnny's gain target. one, gain one, gain one, gain it's one, It's also gain like one. it's relevant as soon as it comes down, assuming you have at least one other creature, which, you know, it's not quite an enters play ability. But yeah, you, you get, um, do, do each of the triggers happen separately? Yep. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yep. Your, your line is going to get pretty big. Your Johnny's uh, pride mate. Johnny's pride mate loves this card. Yep, loves any, it. Any other deck like this style of effect? I mean, like white weenie in a aggressive meta wouldn't hate this card. I, I don't think it's. I still just think they have better better yeah, options, like, and white weenie is already pretty favored in the in the red matchup. So I don't yeah, think you it's need like, to. I, <sighs> what would I be cutting to include this in like a white aggressive deck? Probably, well, obviously another three or another two. But Thalia. Nope. Get no. <laughs> and, it, and it's King hard King. to, it's actually hard to cast. Yeah. Like yeah. both DNT and White Weenie, like having colorless utility lands. Beautiful. It's one of the draws. And three triple white is actually hard to cast in mm -hmm. that deck. All right. Well, let's move on then to the Realm Cloaked Giant. Seven <laughs> mana, seven, seven mythic for five white. White has vigilance. But there's also an adventure mode, Cast Off, which is a five mana wrath for three white white, destroy all non-giant creatures. Jer. All right, I'm not quite as high on the adventure cards as Ben, but I really like this card and oh boy, am I, no, am I gonna lose to some primeval titans putting this <laughs> into my deck. But it's also gonna win me a bunch of games, so. 
you know, trade off. Right. It's a giant. This is one of these cards that comes out and all of a sudden you're like, I need to know all of the giants in the format, right? Because uh, bizarrely, the titans are in fact not titans. They're giants inexplicably. They might be giants. Get <laughs> out. Nope. Uh, any any other thoughts on this card? I, you know what? This isn't necessarily related to the card, but we've had cast out, cast down, cast off, all so close to each other. Yeah. I've already been getting the first two mixed up, and now I know this is a big giant, and I'm probably just going to call it Wrath Giant. But somebody's <laughs> going to be like, why didn't you use cast off here? And I'll be like, what do you mean? I don't have cast off in my deck. <laughs> I'm, I'm not black. Yeah, I'm not black. <laughs> They're like, no, that's cast out. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then someone goes, no, that's cast down. And... <sighs> I, I, I pity you, yeah, you well, poor thing. Thank you. Uh, next up, Shepherd of the Flock. Mm. Hold. Wait for it. Shepherd of the Flock is a two-mana, three-one human priest for one and a white. Has no abilities. But it also can go on an adventure. For a single white, usher to safety. Return target permanent you control to its owner's hand. Alex, what do you think of this peasant? This is easily the best... Um, what did... Uh, the... Three one for two. It's not a piker. Blade of the Six Pride. That's the one. Was that the first three one for one and a white that I they printed? I believe so. Yeah, it's uh, pretty wild. So, there's so many of them now. There's a lot. Like enough that I mean, I hesitate to say that that would be a deck, but we should talk about Boros later. Yeah, we probably should. Um, target permanent blinking this and like saving it is pretty cool. And then, like, you have, you know, a creature with big teeth. Resets Academy. Eh? Ah. Eh? Eh? Useless 3-1 Resets Academy? No, we make it legendary, and we reset our Caracas. (laughs) Holy moly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not positive what what, what exact deck this goes into, but it's interesting enough that I would consider putting it in something. Hmm. Uh, That's a fun evaluation. And finally, the last card we're going to talk about in white today... The Venerable Knight. One mana, two one, human knight for a you single white. You can just white. stop talking. All right. <laughs> like, uh, we're moving not... on to blue. It no. can put a counter <laughs> on there's, Thalia. There's more text. When it dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on target knight you control. We went over this, Wheeler. Thalia is not a knight. She's a zombie. She's a soldier. You guys are awful. Yeah. Uh, it's a human, it's a knight, it's a two one for white. I didn't even try to rhyme that. Hey. <laughs> wow. There, there are other knights in, like, Aggressive. I, I wouldn't play this in D&T because D&T is slowly shedding away all the knights. Well, not the knights. <laughs> the one drop. It's all the slowly one shedding away the purely aggressive cards <laughs> yeah. that aren't like brim as bonkers. Um, but like for the aggressive, the hyper-aggressive white decks, or even, even white-black, honestly, there's a lot of really cheap knights in those decks that you're just going to include, and you won't know it's a knight until like... Magic Online's going to tell you to target it, and you're like, oh. oh. Now, here's a question. I see. Have we finally removed Savannah Line? Are all the better Savannah Lines so plentiful that you no longer play Savannah Lines, other than, like, OG style I points? I will always <laughs> play. All right, Savannah. Wheeler aside. I, I cut it a while ago. From, wait, from what? D&T? Uh, White Weenie. From uh, aggressive White yeah, yeah, White Weenie, you never cut any two mana, two. Yeah. Are well, two we power, getting to two, the point power, one drop. where Immortal Servitude is starting to get good in this no. deck? No. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's, move, let's <laughs> move on to blue. Our first, our first blue card we're going to talk about today is the Brazen Borrower. Three mana, three one. 
for a, a one and a blue and a blue. It's a fairy rogue, has flash, flying, and may only block creatures with flying relevant, but it also has an adventure mode for one and a blue. You may return target non-land permanent an opponent controls to its owner's hand wheeler. God, if you if there was any card to just give people a crash course on how to play tempo, it is this card. Mm. This card is so, like, you look at it and you're like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah, flash three powers, pretty good. But like, oh God, the tempo Get player on. in me is like, oh, it, okay. So, so well, you like the- It's even card advantage. Yeah. It just like the most basic line, if you want to play this as soon as possible, is on two, you uh, bounce whatever it is they deployed to the field, and then you untap with three mana and you pass. Now, you have open mana to either deploy it, this as a threat, if they play, say, a Planeswalker and you got no pressure, or they play something that doesn't matter, they use their turn casting like a, a draw spell or whatnot, or you just hold up blue mana, which is terrifying for a lot of decks, or yeah. you know, a combination of other mana. This uh, improves your spell stutter sprite, and you can pitch it to force of will. And force of negation and misdirection. Yes. So, oh, good. obviously very good in tempo. Do we think it'll see play in broader blue decks? Uh, I, I, I would play this in mid-range as well. Mm. I, I think you'd play this in control. One of, the, one of the big, like, it was brought up by people that have been, like, the control decks are the the like weird blue landsy decks that have been popping up. The four color lands decks. I mean, as the premier blue. lands pilot, I know what you're talking about. Mm, Keep yes, going. of course. As the premier lands pilot, of course, you would know what you're talking. I, uh, anyways, uh, just having like the amount of times you'll play a nimble obstructionist as just a three mana, three power flash flying creature. Very high. Yeah, that just kills people dead. There are some interesting restrictions on this card. I think, yeah, I think the fact that this can't block very well means you're not likely going to include it in control very often because mm. the the other effect also isn't really what you're looking for in control. Just like yeah. you're not really looking to just like temporarily deal with problems. You want to more more looking for permanent solutions in that archetype. But yeah, let's move on to Corridor Monitor. Uh, this is a two mana one four for one and a blue. Has fantastic art. Is a construct. When it enters the battlefield, untap target artifact or creature you control. Let's just get Time Vault right out of the way Wait right now. Uh, what are we playing this in that isn't also just Time Vault? But pod. Yeah, wait, this is this untaps Time Vault and also Kiki Jiki. And Birthing Pod and Vanifar. The, mm. It's just a two drop in your pod chain that we haven't really had a good one other than like Phantasmal Imaging, one of your three drops. Mm. And so like, just lets you go, if you have pod and a buttload of mana and like a one drop, there you go, this kill them. This stupid thing has four toughness. That's huge. Why does it have four toughness? And baby, when you get workshop, pod, time vault all together, perfect inclusion. I wouldn't include it in anything else though. But, you know, untapping, I wouldn't even untap pod, or not pod, I wouldn't untap time vault with this. It's, no. a, one, it's a one shot. And oh, I, right, okay. I just don't think that's where you want to be, especially with like Unle manifold un key. Unless you're on a, a pod. Uh, yeah, pod, yeah. Vault. pod vault. Pod vault. Ah, uh, that well-known Victoria archetype, pod vault. Mm. Multiple people have played it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is great. Just just pod up well, from this. Yeah, because all your kiki-jiki pieces untap your vault. Yeah. It's also one power, pretty relevant for like Revel Arc, for one of the recruiters, Imperial recruiter. Yeah. Um, 
for just making all your X1s terrible. Yeah, four toughness is the biggest thing. All right. Oh dear, my three one seems to have encountered a roadblock. <laughs> Let's talk about, I'm gonna just no scope this and say the card that Ben Wheeler is most excited about in the entire format. In the, in the entire set, pardon me. Island. Emery, Lurker of the Lock. My queen. Yeah, there we go. Wait, how many queens do you have? In oh, this? I got plenty. Okay. Three mana, one, two, legendary merfolk wizard, but this spell costs one generic mana less for each artifact you control. When it enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard and tap choose target artifact card in a graveyard you may cast that card this turn. Wheeler. For the record, I don't think this is the best card in the set. I nor favorite. do I, yes, exactly. It's just that. Um, I think there's enough application for these abilities where you can go infinite with it, yeah. take advantage of stocking up your graveyard, and even just utility killing people. Can you give me an example line of how you'd go infinite with Emery? So you take a Black Lotus, <laughs> or, or, or a Lion's Eye Diamond, Kay. or a Lotus Petal, uh, you take Paradox Engine, and you take an Emery. Great. That's the easiest one, because you just play, you have this Paradox, right? You got one of your zeros in the bin, you Emery to cast it, you cast it, untaps Emery, sack it, add mana, yada, yada, yada. And then cast a spell, untaps to the Paradox Academy, tap, bring it back. Yep, and then there's some other things that can get a little out of hand with Rings of Bright Hearth involved, and... Mm -hmm. Uh, you use like Kodak Shredder because Shredder can put itself in the bin and... So is this now, uh, I, I don't like to use the word auto-include, but do you think we're going to start seeing this in a lot of Paradox Academy decks? Is this going to be an eggs card? Like what, what, obviously there's some application there, what decks want Emery? I think you'll see a lot of it in the first six months in uh, Paradox decks, maybe eggs, and the Welder decks. So like if you're playing like a goblin weldery kind of deck, which is something I believe is wildly unexplored in our format right now, especially after doubling up and Urza and all that jazz. Um, after the initial new toy syndrome, you'll probably still see her pop up, most certainly in if these welder decks turn out to be you know pretty good and prevalent. Um, and then maybe in Paradox still, more like a niche kind of card too, right? Uh, this is a question I'm kind of directing to myself, but everyone else. What do you think of Emery in Workshop Weenie? Do you think it does no. enough? One mana, one two, with the ability to recur no. some threats from no. your graveyard? Nope, nope, nope. Cost colored mana. Doesn't attack. Yeah. I mean, sure, this watery tart's gonna lob a scimitar at you, but. I mean, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed Goblin Welder in in Workshop Weenie. I thought that card's added or offered a lot of flexibility, but the abilities are very different, obviously. Yes. Uh, especially because Goblin Welder can work <clears throat> against your opponent's threats. All right, moving on, we have the Fairy Vandal. <clears throat> oh, you two, broke it. Two mana, one, two. Fairy Rogue, for one and a blue, has Flash and Flying, and whenever you draw your second card each turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on the Fairy. One more time to Wheeler. This guy, the art kind of looks like an anime character just beat a level in a game. He's like, ha-ha! <laughs> um, card's great in for, like, tempo. I'm going to try it in Sorensen. Um, I don't know if that's the home in which it'll see the most play in. But it's got flying, it's got flash, it has a clause that a lot of decks are already going to try to achieve. You only really need to get it up once for it to really meet what you're looking to do. For sure, I'm going to play this in Flying Men. Again, it's a flash threat. It, it does go against my rule of its power needing to be equal to or it's, greater than the mana cost. Seems, yeah. But Flyman plays so many dirt T 
tier cantrips, like mm. literally all of them, except for no, I think I'm on portent too. But you play oh, like wow. all the bad ones. Are you so, playing sorceress site? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, <coughs> and yeah, also being a fairy, we've gotten to the point like that deck was already playing spell stutter sprite, and now we can reliably have enough fairies to, to counter a one drop, to counter a two drop. <laughs> Is there a fairies deck? I Ooh. lost to it in a finals like three years ago. <laughs> Fairies was like the and original. And then beat it vampires. in a finals the the week after. <clears throat> Fairies was the original vampires. Wow. Uh, any other application we can think of for this card? It seems. What about like red blue? It's also good in like, I think, actual flash archetypes are are getting better and are getting closer. Like Bant Flash or Rug Flash. Hmm are getting getting a close enough density that you don't have to play five color flash and pray to the mana gods that you cast spells each game, which makes the deck more real. So I think both of those decks are getting close and it's obviously not auto-include in those. <clears throat> Next up, we have Gadwick the Wizened. Uh, this, it, it, I, how do I describe this one? For X, blue, 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 uh, you get a legendary human wizard 3-3. Three, three. Now, when it enters the battlefield, draw X cards. And whenever you cast a blue spell, tap target non-land permanent an opponent controls. Uh, and just before people get down into the comments about how how does the game remember the value of X when a creature comes into play because X is only a number on the stack and don't even worry about it, it just works. Uh, Jer, what do you think about this card? Uh, I don't actually think it's that good, but it's really sweet and <laughs> I, I love it. Um, let, me, let me just... Give you a jingle. Ba doop doop doo whoop. <laughs> uh, I actually don't think so. It's a sorcery. <clears throat> it doesn't have flash. It's a you have better ways to draw cards. But it's a wizard. It's a wizard, and it's got trips blue, and it's mana cost. You can riptide that's, laboratory it. That's basically and draw a more fast. cards. I actually, you don't think this card's fine in like a like the mono blue <coughs> devotiony deck, or you like could play the... it in devotion. Just, just Alex was doing the Seinfeld riff, and oh it's yeah, not, I... not, not for that one. How? But. What value does X have to be? Is this a deck where you want X to be five? Are you happy casting this as a four mana three three that draws a card when it enters the battlefield and it just gives you some static ability? I've, I've, I've got a number, a but I want, I want to know what you think X right. is going like. What the the four so here's for what X? Do. Here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna put it number of fingers under your hand and then you're going to bring it up for, on the, for what what you think the minimum value x has to be in order to make this card worth it three right. two one it's zero yeah it's just zero yeah. oh we all guessed zero <laughs> yeah in the deck we're describing just like the aggressive blue devotion deck just having a thing where every time you cast a spell you get to tap down your opponent's creatures is insane especially considering you're blue a bunch of your things have flash so you get to like make their best thing not attack and not block then you get to untap cast your creatures pre-combat all their things can't block you kill them do you think the x Gadwick's your uncle the x is a trap on this card that it's wanting people to think you have to cast it for more and holding it back longer than you'll you'll want to have it in play po possibly i'm sure people will misplay it because they're like oh gotta get value it, um, it seems like a sweet it, top deck. But yeah, it's, it's also like just gravy, right? Like we all put up zero, so we all understand that the card is just like a three mana three three with the whenever you cast a blue spell tap tap a thing is cool. is good enough. And if you aren't doing anything else on your turn, like spending five mana instead and drawing the two cards, you can be the one to Caracas this as well. Like if if oh. you play this early, and you're like oh, I gotta yeah. Caracas this drop, and you're like hey for five. <laughs> 
right? Or just like late game if you want to save it. And Love it. Riptide Lab was brought up. And yeah, the, this is one your opponents do not want to correct. No. <laughs> like, you're, you're like, That's a big please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, next up we have Hypnotic Sprite. Two mana, two one Flying Fairy for blue-blue, but also has an adventure mode for three mana, two and a blue, counter target spell with converted mana cost three or less. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm torn between Wheeler and Jer here. Card's we good. This is, this is a Ben card. <laughs> Wheeler. I don't know if I should be sad or happy that <laughs> Welkin Turn can finally <laughs> rest. Welcome Dirt has done its job. We now have it's it's just a two power flyer for two that has a relevant creature. Oh, no type. downside. No downside. No downside. Okay, it can even block creatures without flying. That's great. <laughs> I can counter spells. Oh yeah, and then there's that gravy on the left side where you're just like, well, if I don't want to play this on two, I can try and catch something on three. So this is just a tempo flying man. Card? I just want this in flying man. Okay. I I believe the the left side the counter spell is uh, too situational like, sure. for me to want in other decks, but in, again, a deck that is playing some real bad cards, um, you will find yourself in scenarios where like, well, I've played, yep, you'll find yourself in scenarios where Hiccup, where you will play out a couple of threats, and then you're just like, I'm good. Let's <laughs> counter whatever you got. And this will fill the role. Because mm -hmm. you have to counter most everything that they do. Next up, we have Into the Story. Five, sorry, seven mana instant for five blue blue. This spell costs three less to cast. If an opponent has seven or more cards in their graveyard, draw four. Jer? I really want this to be good because I just want more better draw spells and four mana draw four at instant speed is, yeah, that's, that's what I need in my life. <clears throat> but I just think it's a little, a little too slow and clunky, especially with all all the delving everyone's doing these days. I just think it's if it was your graveyard, then oh yeah. Yeah, this card would be nuts. <laughs> Sign me up, but you just can't reliably interact with your opponent's graveyard that well. Sure, you're looking to get across from goblins or something, and you're like, well, like, cool. Ah. And you're like, yeah, might as well. <laughs> well, they have throw shock, this card shock, in the lightning bolt in their bin, <laughs> and now I'm dead. So, <clears throat> yeah, I I really wanted this card to be good, but I just think it's a little too slow and slow and clunky, but if in your meta that literally nobody's playing aggressive decks and it's all blue mirrors <laughs> all the time, get Woo! it in! Woo! Alright, next up we have The Magic Mirror. Nine mana, legendary artifact, six blue blue blue, the spell costs one less to cast for each instant or sorcery in your graveyard, has the following abilities. You have no maximum hand size. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a knowledge counter on the mirror, then draw a card for each knowledge counter on said mirror. Do you like this card better, Jer? Uh, not really. <laughs> um, this is pretty close to Ideas Unbound, which is a six mana enchantment that... Uh, Mind Unbound? Uh, yeah, Mind Unbound, sorry. Ideas Unbound is a sorcery. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I might test this in Seinfeld, but I don't really think Seinfeld's that real of a deck. Um, so even at blue, 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 you're just like, eh? It's, well, it's just like, if you draw it in the first 10 turns of the game, you're probably just not casting it. So... Yeah, it's weird to want a card like that in, in Highlander, right? Just and, like, all right. And I, then it's like, once I don't want this. For once the... you've drawn it, it's not winning you the game. It's like, all right, now I get to slowly draw more and more <laughs> cards. Yeah. And it's like, 
Yeah, that's good, but it's really slow. This would feel so bad to get shattered. <laughs> like, there are just some artifacts where you don't care. But this, <laughs> like, oh, this one, oh, you're like, no. yeah. oh, my well, at hard least, work. At least they get seven years bad luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Glad somebody made the joke. <laughs> Next up, we have Mirror Maid, uh, the person whose services said nine mana legendary mirror. Uh, three mana enchantment for one blue blue. You may have it enter the battlefield as a copy of any artifact or enchantment on the battlefield. I was surprised nobody else grabbed this. I like this a lot. Well, I was originally tagged for this, and I don't need any more copy artifacts. We're fine. We got three. Okay. We maybe even have four now, and I've just forgotten the worst one. <laughs> Do you need more copy enchantments? I think so. Great. Talk it. Yeah, uh, yeah this is, it. I think this is an enchantress card. Uh, as you're, you're, you're not incorrect in talking about copy artifact is probably overdone, especially because, because a lot of copy artifact is only a single mana pip. It's like two and a blue, as opposed to one blue blue, which or makes... One and a blue, you know, copy artifact. Yeah, copy or artifact. one and a blue, yeah, Copy right, artifact's right, right. one and a blue, and then Sculpting Steel and Phyrexian Metamorph are... I mean, they're both just, just yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so this is actually harder to cast in those instances, so don't mm -hmm. really worry about it. But I think this is fine in Enchantress. This would be the <laughs> third copy enchantment, because there's copy enchantment, and then there's Estrid's Invocation, yeah. I believe, <laughs> is the other one. And so this is fine. There's a lot of effects uh, that you'd love to have more copies of in Enchantress. There's not a ton of really good enchantments early on and being able to get a second copy of it out when you need to is good. So if you're on the Enchantress deck, the, like the four of you... You're not worried about the double blue early in that deck? That's the only thing that made me think of it more as an artifact card than an enchantment card. So the issue, the issue in Enchantress is uh, you don't really have anything you'd want to copy early. All of your early drops in Enchantress are single green. And I don't, I don't know if I want to pay one blue blue to copy, you know, Miri's Guile, <laughs> Wild Growth, or Miri's Guile, or something like that. Uh, but why, why would you even have the option to copy Miri's Guile? I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> what if you want to look at the top three and put them back twice <clears throat> on fetch? Yeah, um, it's tough. I think this is more copying some of your lock pieces. I'm pretty happy to copy a propaganda early. You know, one propaganda often isn't enough to keep you safe against the aggressive deck. And and that's the issue with Enchantress is you spend, if you're not, if you don't have the, the hand where you get an early Enchantress and you're ramping and you're drawing and instead you're trying to play a defensive hand where you're trying not to die, uh, giving yourself an extra copy of propaganda to slow down the aggressive deck or another one of those pieces I think is where this will see play. Cool. All right. Uh, next up we have the Shimmer Dragon that has a star next to it. I'm not quite sure why. It's, it's, brawl, it's, brawl, it's deck. brawl deck. Oh, okay. Six mana, five, six dragon for four blue blue, has flying, and as long as you control four or more artifacts, it has hexproof, tap two artifacts you control, draw a card, wheeler. We've come a long way from Mahamati Jin. Ha! Um, now we have a big dumb dragon that if you have four more artifacts, and I'm going to try to sell this as a card for the, like, the big blue decks or the big Demir artifact ramp decks. Uh, this has Hexproof, so it's probably not dying unless they Wrath it. Um, certainly not dying to a Pyroclasm. And then you can just later on check in your artifacts, draw some cards while you're killing them. That seems pretty all right to me. Where are you playing this? Big blue. I'm and I'm not talking about the Smash Brothers stage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. <laughs> Everybody I'm hated that one. I'm also brewing up a 
a Grixis, like, I call it mid-range, but because it, it's an artifact-based deck, it's it's bigger, and it's just looking to play all, like, the medium artifacts mm. cards, so you're you're trying to you're trying to accelerate your first two turns and then just start playing Planeswalkers and big boom-booms for the rest of the game. And this, this slots right into that deck. What six drops are you cutting to play these? <clears throat> oh, you're, you're not. <laughs> you just keep, you play them all. Like, all right. that, those decks, like, they run into... So, like, it's it's funny. Um, I, I talked about this briefly with, like, Emery and whatnot, where, like, those decks traditionally have run into the issue of you have your ramp, you have your big dumbs, sometimes you draw a hand with all of one of them and yeah. not the other, et cetera. <laughs> but, like, we, we the decks have gotten more cards that kind of bridge that gap, that fill the middle. So if you're like, oh... I don't have a huge creature, but I guess I'll play this Urza. <laughs> or like, oh, wow, I can only play my Karn. Yeah, like, now you don't have to play, like, Mere Battlesphere and Bladesteel Colossus and Inkwell Leviathan. You, you can just kill them with six drops instead. You can hmm. shelf your Staff of Nin. Yeah. I mean, you, you probably won't because oh. card's sick. Do you remember? Like, I remember the good old days of, you know... What's the best thing you could possibly tinker for right now? You're like, I don't know, Staff of Nin. You're like, ooh, can't beat that. Yeah. What a depressing when that, world. When Staff of Nin came out, and it's like, goodbye, Urza's <laughs> Blueprints. Here we go. All right, next up, Stolen by the Fae. Uh, for X, blue, blue, you get a sorcery that returns target creature with convert a mana cost X to its owner's hand, and you get X, one, one, fairy creature tokens with flying. Alex, what do you think about this card? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This seems tempo-y to me. I think it's mid-rangey. Yeah? I mean, d just because you remove one of their threats and gain one of your own. Yeah, it's a it's, very cool effect, by the way. It's a very cool effect. Uh, the only issue in tempo is the mana cost. Is And it's a sorcery. Yeah, you don't want to pay five mana on a sorcery uh, for that type of swing. But I can I can see where the brain is going there in terms of... It, it is a tremendous reversal on the board, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. How many? Uh, how much X do you want to pay for this to have it be the best? See, that's really tough because it is very tough. This is, like, th in this case, you're restricted by your opponent's board mm -hmm. uh, and creatures. If if it was return target permanent, yeah, I could see you casting this or two to get their Tarmogoyf back, and then you have two flyers. This just feels yeah. way too expensive to me. You think so? Yeah, you're going to get, like, spell pierced, and it'll feel real bad. If it was it's, an instant or a single blue? Oh, if it was an instant. Holy moly. Oh, see, that's different. Then you have, like, a combat trick that we're all, like, that's, like, core champ, Yeah, baby. you know what? We're I just, think... like... Removing Core one, chant. we're just removing Holy one of their cow. things and then killing another yeah. thing. It's, we're also kind of overlooking um, how reliant on your opponent having an threat. Yeah. <clears throat> that is, is targetable. If yeah. If your opponent has like a mana dork on one, and then they play, I don't know, anything. Doesn't have to be big. Corsair of Crufix. They play a Corsair of Crufix on turn two. Got that it. sounds like a reasonable play pattern. Nothing that busted. You untap. You play your second land. The next time you'll be able to remove that Corsair is by like turn five, right? Eesh. That's a huge mana investment. And you get three birds out of it. Fairies, but birds. It just doesn't. There are just better things I think. I mean, you can also do they're going to untap and cast Thrun, So, <laughs> yeah, tapping out for this is also huge. I just think there are better options. Okay. And finally, the last blue card we're going to talk about today is the Vantress Gargoyle. Two mana, five four for one and a blue. It's an artifact gargoyle. It has flying and a bunch of other text. First line of text: Vantress Gargoyle can't attack unless defending player has seven or more cards in their graveyard. Next line of text. Vantress Gargoyle can't block unless you have four more cards in your hand. 
And then finally, tap ability. Each player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. Alex. This runs into the same problem that um, uh, Into the Storybook does, where it's like, even though it gives you the ability to sort of control your opponent's graveyard a little more, it's doing it one card at a time and doing almost nothing the rest of the time. I mean, I guess you can block with it. What deck wants this, though? It's also just like <clears throat> putting, like, most decks can take advantage of their graveyard. Yeah, you're giving your so opponent you're, resources. It's not here. a huge advantage milling your opponent by one, but like you're also it, milling it's yourself. Enough. Though, yeah, you're is. milling yourself for sure, which is fine. But it's just like providing there. They just like there's so many things that need to go right for this card to just be like Tarmogoyf. Yeah, it's, right? it's just a really flying tarp. Flying, flying tarp. Yeah, like, but that's that's the first thing I saw too. It's like, yeah, how many times are you trying to try and fix so goif? high? Sorry. Wait, you like this card? Yeah, I don't know. I put it in because I thought it was interesting. I haven't thought like too much about it, but I just saw like two mana five four fire, <laughs> and I'm like, that's it. That's, that's where a they get real you. fast clock. To me, this just feels like a weird. Okay, maybe Lupine Prototype is a better example. Uh, Ooh, the old yeah. the two mana five five where it can't attack or block unless you have zero unless a player, a player has one has, or fewer cards. People in hand. have yeah. been trying to put has, that in unless a player has no cards oh in. no cards in hand. So right. like <clears throat> this one to hit this level, you can at least control. Like uh, admittedly, there, it's not like divided. So like it can't attack if this happens, can't block if this Why happens. Why haven't I tried this like, in Workshop? We need. Yeah, you know what? This card's good. not that great, but it's better than Hovermere Surge. Yeah, look at the art. No, get out. <laughs> All right. Um, turn one, Hedron Crab. Turn two, Fetch Land. Fetch Land. Fortress Gargoyle. And then they're dead in four turns. No, they're born <laughs> to death in four turns. Oh. Okay. Let's what? move on. Let's move Next. on to black. All right. First card we're going to talk about today is another card that uh, I thought y'all missed, and I'm disappointed. We have Ayaya. I kid. Ayara, the first of Lockwain. Three mana, two, three for black, black, black. Legendary elf noble. Whenever it or another black creature enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses a life and you gain a life. And then tap and sacrifice another black creature to draw a card. Alex, what do you think about this card? <laughs> I like it. Um, this almost makes me want to build like just straight black aggro. Hmm. Um, or, or maybe just like dial back the uh, the green splash so that it like still um, hits this a lot. This card just is kind of sweet. Ooh, Jer, Jer, eh. all right, Jer. I I just don't see where you put it in an aggro. It's a two three body with no no keywords and no real relevant ETB. Sure, it drains for one when it ETBs, but that's. I just think those little chisels are going to add that. up. It's cool with bitter blossom. I thought even even with the recursion that Alex shows in in you know <laughs> zombie zombie dies bring back zombie zombie dies bring back zombie over and over you're like I've got a what's the one mana two one that if you have another zombie in grave play, crawler like grave crawler right you're like attack with grave crawler sack grave crawler draw a card recast grave crawler is this they're definitely good in aristocrat um, maybe a very heavy black version. This card is again just one of those ones where you can definitely sculpt scenarios where like you could definitely you could take advantage of all these uh, you know aspects of the card, but like it's not 
at least I, I played with this a, a decent amount, not in Highlander, obviously, but like it performed better than I thought. And then I was just like, oh, <laughs> there's no way this card is going to ever make it in a format with Lightning Bolt and Caracas mm -hmm. and like Lightning Strikes or big creatures. It's just like Gravecrawling repeatedly with this card is cool, but Gravecrawler repeatedly by itself is, is good is enough. It's also cool. Yeah. 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 And like you look at the other threes that black decks have received, it's just like, mm. what? who would you pick? Ayara, uh, Rotting Regisaur, <laughs> or Spawn of Mayhem? Cast your votes now. All right. Next up, we I, have... Sorry, I just want to touch briefly. Uh, a couple people pinged me about this one because it's a win condition for... Alluring. Uh, Alluring, yeah. yeah. Troops oh. back. And, yeah, j especially with Corpse Knight now giving a an alternate win condition that is more easily castable and tutorable because both recruiters can get Corpse Knight since it's not actually a 2-3. Right. Um... Just just having a card that you can actually cast during a, the course of a game, like triple black isn't realistic for a learn to hit, and this card isn't really doing anything special for the deck that Corpse Knight and the, the bird loop isn't I only just realized that already. fixing that misprint made the card better in your deck exactly. Yep. That's why people were joking, are you playing the 2-3 version? I'm like, no. Would actually rather it be yeah. a 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. Like, like, if it was supposed to be a 2-3 and 2-2 two, two was the misprint, I might play the 2-2 two, two version to try to... Oh, no, I wouldn't, right. actually. <laughs> what else we got? Blacklands Paragon is a 3-1 for one and a black. Human Knight uh, has Flash, and when it enters the battlefield, target Knight gains Death Touch and Lifelink until end of turn. Notably, it doesn't say another target Knight, so it can target itself. Alex, what do you think? So, people introduced this to me as like a removal spell that's sometimes a knight um <clears throat> i don't know how to assess this and it, it, it looks powerful are we only playing this as ambush viper i think that can't be right i think this card's really good it's a it's got three power for two mana at flash which can stretch your opponent's counter spells and it's a life gain removal spell only ambush case. viper yeah it's, well yeah. it's better than ambush viper Ye in, yes, in some quite, ways. No, well, it's just like in this is way. a huge swing. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And you're not just playing this and being like, okay, we trade. You're playing this and then being so like, all right, I'll kill no matter what it is you're attacking into me with, and I'll gain three life, which is pretty good. No, here's yeah, the I thing. Mean, like death touches, kind of more hella than people give it you, credit for. I think. You animate your muta vault block. Mm. Tap, flash this in. Mutavault is a knight. Hell yeah. Boom. Now you got a 3-1 and their best creature's dead. It also provides cheap lifelink, albeit for one turn, yeah. on a, it's a, a life black slink. creature yeah. Yeah. that blue decks, it, it's not black-black. So like I, I, I looked at this card and I was like, you know what? I bet there's going to be some kind of like blue-black deck be, like that'll just play this. Because in certain matchups, you just need to flash a Snapcaster on two to kill your opponent. Yeah. And this has three power. Well, and, and especially in blue-black, you're like, lifelink? Yeah. I'll take anything. <laughs> yeah, I was Collector see. brutality? <laughs> Soren's moment of craving? Yeah. Soren's thirst? Yeah, it's weird, because like, the, the evolution of my own deck has gone from its roots in, like, sort of, um, like, Sui Black, where you, you're paying a lot of life for effect, to kind of the opposite, where it's just like, how many life gain cards can we cram into here to, as a hedge against, like, mono red? So get him in. He next, looks really cool, too. Uh, next up, we have Cauldron of Eternity. 
Uh, this is a 12-mana legendary artifact <laughs> for 10 black. <laughs> but it costs two less <coughs> for each creature card in your graveyard. Whenever a creature you control dies, put it on the bottom of your library. Or bottom of its owner's library. Whenever a creature you control dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library. It's, it's just yeah, put it's there because to if stop. you control <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, for three mana, tap and pay two life. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Do this only as a sorcery. Jer, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. What do you think of this card? Uh, I think this card is potentially really powerful in, in two different archetypes. Either like a uh, recurring nightmare survival, like black-green toolboxy, more toolboxy type deck. And I actually think it's somewhat reasonable in just traditional reanimator decks that are going a little more threat heavy. Um, both of those decks are very good at filling their bin very quickly and filling their bin outside of uh, creature combat. So they'll be able to continually put reanimation targets in the bin, even though this is putting creatures mm. you control that are dying on the bottom. You know what uh, deck I want to play this in? Is the red black artifact based reanimator deck because it uh, its sort of thing is repeatable effect. So it plays like Goblin Welder, and this is also an artifact which is relevant. You cheated out oh, Welder. Wait, hold on, Goblin Welder, and I'm fairly certain Goblin Engineer also yes. the creature's never dying, right? On the exchange. So if oh, you have how does Goblin Welder work? Does it does it does it switch it, or they does don't it die? Die. You're sacrificing. Right? Them oh, do you so have to die. sacrifice it? Yeah. Right. Let's, well, we have to bring up an eroded version. You, you sacrifice it. I, I think so. I thought it wasn't it a weird wording like select a creature, uh, select an artifact in play and an artifact in the graveyard. If these and, are and both still legal targets. targets or whatever. Okay, okay you do if, sacrifice it. <clears throat> but um, so hold on. Choose target artifact the player controls and the target artifact that player's a graveyard. If both targets are still legal as it resolves, that player simultaneously <laughs> sacrifices the artifact and returns the artifact card to the oh. battlefield. That so, is the wording. That's just good card design. So it does die. The, the, yeah. Still, um, this deck has the ability to effectively fill its graveyard, um, effectively put specific cards into the graveyard, and return artifacts that cost way too much mana from the graveyard to play. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'd just be worried in that deck about how many creatures you could get in the bin to, to make it cheap. That's yeah. reasonable. Cheap. We do have to move on, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. uh, next up, we have Murderous Rider. This card's really exciting. I think this is one of the cooler cards in the oh, set. Oh, yeah! Three mana, two, three, Zombie Knight for one black black. Has lifelink, and when it dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library. But it can also go on an adventure. Swift End is a three mana instant for one black black. Destroy target creature or planeswalker, oh. but lose to life. Jer. Uh, this card is really, really good. I've been extolling Heroes Downfall's praises for several years now, and this card is much better. Um, it does the same thing, still an instant, still the same great cost. You do lose to life, but then you get a 2-3 with lifelink afterwards, which is really good. Alex, anything to weigh in on this? I love it! It goes right in zombies as well, but it would go into just about any black-based yeah. aggressive deck, and probably black mid-range, maybe even black control. I think it's better in mid-range than aggro, honestly. I, but. Yeah, I think I agree, just because it's like a 3-drop, but... And it's, and it's not super aggressive, like it is a 2-power three drop so it's not like it's not like you slam this down on three yeah. if your opponent hasn't presented anything to kill and it your is another like, oh, creature God. with lifelink it's no no rotting so, regisaurus let's, yeah. let's put it that way all right next up we have oath sworn knight three mana zero zero human knight for one black black but 
It does enter the battlefield with four plus one plus one counters on it. It must attack each combat if able, and if it would be dealt damage while it has a plus one plus one counter on it, now that's notable because there have been some cards that don't have that clause. Phantom. Prevent that damage and remove a plus one plus one counter from it. Alex, what do you think about <clears throat> a three mana four four? He that is made out of counters. Yes. Get this in the Golgari counters uh, version of Black Mold. I think I'm not dead yet. I'm not <laughs> dead yet. Um, like this is obviously great in the um, uh, what's the name of that snake? Winding Constrictor. Oh, in Winding, the Winding Constrictor, Constrictor version. <laughs> that like. That card, like, Winding Constrictor is real in the, the black-green um, Winding Constrictor deck. <laughs> um, it's, like, the only kind of specifically cares about counters card because I don't play... Um, uh, Hardened Scales. Hardened Scales, that's one. Um, but, yeah, like, this is a 4-4 four, four for 3 that is difficult to put away. Um, oh, no, it has to attack all the time. I mean, attack each combat if able <clears throat> is probably the worst text yeah, in one of some of the worst text in the game, like on a card, but the upsides of this outweigh that. It really does, you know, because like normally you're worried about car creatures that usually are forced to attack all the time, often have like a vulnerability that makes you know it quite a big occupational hazard. This one sort of hedges against that because it's going to get into combat, even if it would trade, it won't. Next up, we have Order of Midnight. Two mana, two, two, human knight for one in a black. Has flying, but can't block. And it may go on an adventure, <coughs> alter fate, one in a black. Return target creature card, wait, yes. Return target creature card from a graveyard, your graveyard, to your hand. Jer. Uh, I've been playing a bunch of these regrow effects, like Virtus' Maneuver, uh, Find Finality, and I've been really impressed with them, especially when they're stapled to other reasonable reasonable uh things what's fine finality uh it's black green black green hybrid return up to two target creatures from your graveyard to your hand and for black green all creatures get minus four minus four you oh right up, yeah from you may put two plus one plus one counters on a creature you control um question for you on the art is that a very big bird or a very small person <laughs> Uh, large bird. Big okay, bird. all right. Big, very big Good, bird. just making sure we're all on the same page here. Yeah. Next up, we have Rankle, Master of Prankle. Four mana, three, three, legendary fairy rogue for two black, black, has a flying and haste. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, choose any number. Now, this is a card you have to read carefully. Each player discards a card. Each player loses one life and draws a card. Each player sacrifices a card, and you can choose creature. any number of these. What I, oh, each player sacrifices a creature. Pardon me. Alex. It's just a prank, bro. Um, this card seems sweet. It's like you crack in, and then you get your choice of one, two, or three uh, of the effects of smallpox. Um, one, one slightly different. Yeah. One, yeah, one slightly different, but it's just like you get options. You're floor with this is it's a 3-3 three, three with flying in haste. And any number can be yeah. zero. Yeah. yeah. So And you can choose all of them. Yeah, like it has tons of flexibility. Um, I'm looking forward to, to trying this out in uh, the four drop slot and seeing what kind of weird messed up stuff I can do. Wheeler's doing something with his hands. Two <laughs> You know when this card's great? 
Turn two or three. Mm. Turn one. Lotus. Let's go. <laughs> beep, beep. All right, next up, we have Spectre's Shriek. This card's very interesting to me. One mana, one black mana gets you a sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You may choose a non-land card from it. If you do, that player exiles that card. If a non-black card is exiled this way, you must also exile a card from your hand. So as a black deck, no restriction, take any card from their hand, but if it's non-black, you also have to take a card from your hand. Jer is saying no. Alex is saying maybe. Wheeler is giving the thumbs up. Let's start with Wheeler. Uh, I think this card's pretty good. It's not going to be for every deck, that's for sure, because not every deck wants an unmask. But Exile is a very relevant line of text on this card. So picking whatever keep, there are so many decks that rely on very key pieces and recurring those key pieces <coughs> and making sure they never come back, A-OK -okay by me. Well, not by me because I'm play typically playing those decks and that would suck. Right. Um, Jerry, real quick. Uh, I just think the fact that you're down down cards most of the time in this card. Me this is two for one. Yeah, not one for two. Means Sorry, right, yeah, yeah. It's just not going to be included in most of the decks I play, at least. It's an unmask. All right. Uh, next up, we have Sir Conrad the Grim. Five mana, five four, legendary human knight for three black black. Whenever another creature dies or a creature card is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield, or a creature card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad the Grim deals one damage to each opponent, opponent, and there's an activated ability, one in a black. Each player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. I added this card. It's very expensive, but that's a lot of words. That's so many words. Mm -hmm. Can right. anybody think of anything to do with all those words? Like, that's a very powerful effect, but on a very expensive body. It's a worse card than Tasker for World Gorger Dragon. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, that, that's the thing. It's way just too, too expensive. Expen way too expensive. Yeah. Okay, that's what, I, that's what I thought, but I thought it'd be worth it's visiting. Caracas. Oh, it's a legend. Carcassonne. All right, that's fair. Uh, <clears throat> then we have Wish, Wish Claw Talisman. Two mana artifact for one and a black. Enters the battlefield with three wish counters on it. For one and tap and remove a wish counter, you <clears throat> may search your library for a card, put it into your hand and shuffle your library. But then an opponent gains, gains control of this. Activate it only during your turn. Wheeler. This card is very, very good uh, for several reasons. Uh, you can just play it in the storm decks where you play it out, you just wait, then you pick the turn you want to kill them and you kill them. Uh, they get the talisman, who cares? Uh, in the like, They get it tapped. That's fine, yeah, yeah, they get it tapped so they can't use it. And, um, and you can only activate it on your turn, so correct. you give it to them on, on your turn. Even if they could untap it and had the still had the mana to use it, the card doesn't let them. And untapping it with your own mana fold key or voltaic key, you activate it, untap it, activate it. That's also not bad. Uh, pretty good with Kark Clan Ironworks as well. You activate it, you sacrifice it, you find a uh, scrap trawler, you play the scrap trawler, play something to sacrifice to get the wish claw talisman. There's a bunch of loops powerful with this card. With, powerful with Dak Faden. Yeah, activate it. Go search for a card. Take it back. Activate it, find your Dak Faden, activate it, find your Teferi. There's just like, this card's very good. And it's just a cheap artifact. 
Uh, <laughs> it's it's a Jeep artifact. Yeah, this so card's really good. What about your? I was shocked it didn't put it on top. I was like, <clears throat> I had to read the word hand like six <laughs> times before yeah. I believed it. I was like, so I thought they weren't doing this anymore. What about the worst case scenario? You cast this, you demonic tutor, you give it to them, they demonic tutor, you get to demonic tutor one more time. That's not the worst case. The worst case is they then get Fork. to use it, do it twice somehow. Yeah. But that's still not even the worst, and they needed to jump through some hoops. Worst case scenario, you cast it out there, you're trying to wait, they play Dak Fade and take it from you. Well, no, the worst case scenario, you play this out, and the building burns down. <laughs> so This card's very cool. Very good. But it is it is the Cursed Monkey's Hand, so there are, there are ways where it will burn you. Scraw! Yeah. Uh, and the final black card we're going to talk about today in our set review is Witch's Vengeance. Three mana sorcery for one black black. Creatures of the creature type of your choice get minus three, minus three until end of turn. Now, it's important to note that this doesn't target kills true name. Mm. But does it do enough? It's not a wrath. It, it can be situationally, but sometimes it might only be a three mana sorcery one for one. What do you think, friends? This is going to be a sick sideboard card. <laughs> okay, yes. well, like, <laughs> let's three... Three mana sorcery to kill a thing. Like, sometimes you'll ruinous path a creature or you'll vindicate a creature, whatever you want to call it. Um, the fact that you can get selective and still have combat with this involved, like if you choose an overlapping creature type on your opponent's creatures or just one of whatever creature they have, then you get to crunch in, hope, hopefully it not affecting your side of the board. Um, there's just a lot of flexibility in what you get to pick. Whether or not this is good enough in a world of Plague Engineer, Dead of Winter, oh my God. Uh, toxic and Toxic Deluge. Deluge being you know the three bigger ones, I can see maybe a build not wanting Dead of Winter and wanting to have access to this, but it's it's not bad. And of course, if you're against like Hoof or something, and you're like oh, Elf or Goblin, <laughs> and uh, you know, that that's a pretty big ranch. All right, friends. Well, that is. Going to be it for our set review today. Please remember that if there's any cards you think we missed, let us know down in the comments and we'll try and address them in the next one. And this might be a three-parter. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see how the next episode gets there. But let's now move to our closing segment, Powerful Magic. Thank you, Jer. Uh, and up today we have me. And I want to tell a story from Magic Fest Vegas. Uh, I was playing against a young listener, young fan of the show, which is very exciting. Uh, I was on my Bug Lands deck, and they were on a Red-Blue Academy deck. Uh, and this is very interesting. Uh, I managed to run out an early Merit Lodge. And normally, the game would be over. Because out. I have a flying 2020 indestructible horror? Avatar. Avatar. But because they're a listener of the show, they listened to a certain Wheeler and were playing a one-mana artifact that let them create a Thopter every turn. Oh, yes. Help me out. What's the name of that card again? Retrofitter Foundry, baby. Retrofitter Foundry. Oh, oh, now, oh. they didn't have enough mana to really start taking over the game with this, mm. but they definitely had the ability to create a 1-1 one, one with flying every turn. So they could make a 1-1 one, one servo, then untap it, then tap to sacrifice the servo and turn it into a flyer. And that was stalling the game. And I was like, well, this is scary because they're an academy deck. So if they can start to generate enough advantage to get through there, 
it's fine. So there's a clock on my side, and I have to rumble with this 20-20 every turn just to keep them oh, off no. that. Oh, obviously. Oh, no. <laughs> Life's so, hard. So I, I, I'm like, what's my plan B? Uh, and I cast an Ashiok, a three-mana Ashiok, uh, the old one. Uh, what's the... World Rent. No. Dream, Dream Render. Render. Dream Render. Yeah. So Ashiok has the ability uh, plus two. Oh, wait, no. No, Ash not this one. Uh, Nightmare Weaver. Nightmare Weaver. Yeah. So plus two, exile the top three cards of target opponent's library. Minus X, put a creature card with converted mana cost X exiled under it onto the battlefield. So the first plus two, what do I hit? But Blightsteel Colossus. And now we've got ourselves a very, very weird game where I'm just plussing Ashiok every turn <laughs> and attacking with this 2020 while while trying to attrition away any other resources from this academy deck uh, until we eventually reach the point where I managed to minus Ashiok for 11, putting a Blightsteel Colossus into play, Let's and I got to live this very wait weird... A, wait a minute, Blightsteel costs 12. Is it? Was it 12? Whatever, whatever Blightsteel costs. <laughs> and I got to live this very weird life where I got to attack simultaneously with a Blightsteel Colossus and a Marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I won that game. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> weird. I think he's dead! Yeah, oh, yeah, that was fun. Thank you for the game, friend. All right, friends, thank you so much for watching today. I hope you enjoyed part one of X, presumably three. X could be anything uh, of our set review. Uh, I want to remind you that North 100 is brought to you by you with your support over at the Patreon at patreon.com slash Thank you so much for watching. Let us know what you want to see if we missed any cards, and we'll see you next time. Bye.